fight for truth and justice in the American way. What I do is not up to you. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I am Iron Man. And Hulk. Smash. You guys know I can move things with my mind, right? With great power comes great responsibility. No games. Welcome to Watchtower. I'm Alex. And I'm Seth. And today we have a special guest. We have Rob from the Uncanny X cast. Hello. How are you doing? Um, so, uh, yeah, today we're talking about X-Men um, from 2000, which we're all really excited about because uh, I think we're all pretty, pretty huge X-Men fans. Um, I am of this movie. It, of but, this movie? Oh, not all X-Men? Oh, well, I'm just not. Yeah, not, not too big. Okay. But Rob is... The X Men True Believer. Where do you both read the comics? Are you like X Men comic, or is this? Or, I've read are you some all comics. out of the movies? I've read I'm like some, some. I've read New X Men. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a great that's, run. Yeah, it's good. I think but that's that's it. I okay. think I've read like that some House of M stuff, stuff like that. Okay, then I should probably warn you. Like at some point, I will I will nitpick between the movie and oh, the comics because I have like, some strong yeah, opinions on that good. on that yeah. situation. Um, so yeah, real quick, let's talk about how the movie did when it came out and where it sits critically. Um, so it came out in 2000, like I said. Uh, it has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's that's pretty good, especially for superhero films and for a superhero film from that Critic score? time. Yeah, that's a critic score. Okay. And then the audience <laughs> score is 83. So like it's very on par. Yes, good. Like, we usually, sometimes the films are very sure. uh Back in skewed. the golden days when everyone agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently everyone agreed in 2000. Not so much today. But um, yeah, so it, it did pretty well critically. Um, what what are our personal experiences with this movie? Um, Do you start? Sure. I... I think I saw this at the perfect age. I was 11. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had seen Blade. We got to get to Blade. <laughs> yeah. Blade, that's another story. We haven't story. done Blade yet. But, but Blade was a really there. cool movie. Blade is like half the Matrix, half superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like the black leather and everything. But then X-Men, it was like, it was so, honestly, I think you can pinpoint X-Men as the point where the Marvel Cinematic Universe starts. Because I think, Everything comes off of this. Yeah. The tone, the real worldness. Kevin and... Feige started on this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. He was a director's really? he was a director's PA. Here's a fun story real oh, quick. Okay. I read this story in his interview. He was a director's PA, um, to Brian Singer, and on set they were doing Wolverine's like hair and the hair was not like comic booky enough and Kevin oh. Feige as a PA went over and was like you have to make his hair like look more like the sure. comics like this is so important that's and amazing. now he's the CEO of that's Marvel. fantastic so that's, anyway that's and I a wrote great down story. Wolverine's hair yeah that's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. but anyway like sorry <laughs> I was so excited looking forward to this um because Blade was so cool it was such a unique take on a superhero movie I didn't see it in the theater for whatever reason mm-hmm. I saw this at a birthday party. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. we, we rented the DVD, and this was back when DVDs were like uh, a magic device from the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a movie on a little round thing. So, yeah, and I just remember being uh, transfixed by it. Who has a birthday party where you sit around and watch a movie at somebody's house? 11-year-olds, I guess. <laughs> roller skating. I feel like or... we did that with, like, high school It's a generational gap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, um, this just... Side note about this friend. I saw so many great movies at this guy's house because his dad was like a huge sci-fi uh-huh. buff. Yeah, yeah. That was where I first saw like Blade Runner. I was like, what's this? And he's like, Harrison Ford fights androids. It's kind of boring. But that was my introduction to Blade Runner. Yeah, mm-hmm. And 2001, cool. all this stuff. Anyway, that's 
but that yeah that was my introduction to this movie nice yeah i uh i didn't really connect with it when i first watched it i think i watched it a when i was like too young i think i was like five the first time i saw it um and i but i i was old enough that i had been watching star trek the next generation with my parents so i just remember being confused why picard was like this like guy in a wheelchair (laughs) i think that was my first experience and then i didn't really watch it again until after my 2012 Avengers moment that I always talk about as my formative like superhero introduction but uh, when I watched it very close after the Avengers when I was like 15 I was like this is a great movie like and I fell in love with X-Men so it didn't really impact me when I was like younger but I love it now and I loved it once I was in my like superhero phase so yeah I had I was in my seventh year of college and (laughs) keep keep that alone and (laughs) I had been reading X-Men since, like, probably early 80s. So I was probably seven or eight when I started reading it. So this was, like, as anticipated, as excited as I could possibly be for a movie. And and right away from the trailer, I was like, oh, I think this is this is, this is is so different. Because I was still in a world at that point, unless I'm forgetting, I would, Blade, this is Blade. Uh, I was still in the world of, like, well, Tim Burton's Batman is still, like, is still sure. where you're reaching for. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, when you look back, I don't know if you guys have done that we yet had, or not. Yeah, yeah. We, we did that recently, yeah. Uh, does it hold up? It does, but not as like a faithful adaptation. Right. But it's a, it's a really fun movie. It's a Tim Burton yeah. superhero movie. Yeah. Doesn't just kind of compartmentalize yeah. it as Doesn't that. understand yeah. Batman at all. Yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> X-Men, I saw opening night in the theater and was, awesome. was completely at the moment thinking... If this is the best superhero movie I ever see, I'm okay with that. That's You're like, awesome. take me now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've lived yeah. There's there's definitely things that I, I was that was as a huge X Men fan, not a fan of, but overall with the level of what you've been getting before that, it was hard to complain about. Sure. Those yeah, because this was like this had this just feels like it was leagues above everything that had come oh, yeah. before it, especially on the Marvel side of things, because Marvel didn't oh, really yeah. do movies yeah. until right. until X Men. Right. So, yeah. Should we like get into our checklist then? I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll <laughs> we'll review the checklist as always. Um. So this will be fun because ensemble films are always a little more complicated with sure. this. But um, do the hero and villain have arcs that complement one one another and have good arcs? Um, is the film a spectacle and does it do spectacle in a in a fantastic and new and unique way? And is the movie about morality and does it confront morality well? Um. So we will start with hero and villain arcs. Does anyone have an immediate? Yeah, I have take? thoughts on this. So I think uh, the villain's easy. Magneto's the villain. That's yeah. pretty straightforward. Well. Oh, all yeah, right. Well, that's I fair. Th- <laughs> that's fair. That's I, I think well. it's, I think he's pretty straightforward. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Like Professor X is the villain no. or something? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, he is reading everyone's minds like whenever he chooses. The lawmaker. Ethical question. Is he a senator? The. Oh, he's the B villain. He's like the B story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Magneto's the villain. Yeah, that's okay. That's Magneto fair. tries that's fair. He's but he's, the villain. He's also a villain. Like, the people. Because once you get to <laughs> X3 at the end of the franchise, like, the people, like, the lawmakers are kind of. Yeah, kinda... but, the, but Senator Kelly has a, a redemption moment. That's true. Okay, anyway. anyway. So, he's a sympathetic I, yeah. villain. We could say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Logan's the main character. So it's kind of a toss up between Logan and Rogue, but I think Logan mm-hmm. goes through. He has the character arc in right. the movie. Right, right. Um, and to me, that character arc is learning to be more open and accepting, yeah. where Magneto couldn't. 
And there's an irony to Magneto because he's like, he yeah. saw this persecution and then he became like this thing he hated. Mm-hmm. And Logan was able to move past it, even though they were both like, they, there's the motif of the, uh, the, the numbers on Magneto mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the Holocaust. And then you've got Wolverine's tag. Yeah. So that, I think that's a way that like, there's a, that's a narrative threat that really thread that ties those two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's oh, my you throwing point. to me on this one. Sure. I feel prepared for this. No, I would agree with most of that. I mean, I think looking in a post-Logan the film world, it was fascinating going back and watching this because I could not believe how how much of what we see in in the most recent Logan film. Yeah. It all fits together like weirdly right. and and again, maybe this is Faggy's hair move on this, but like <laughs> he really feels like the same damn character that started in 2000 and, and it feels like a complete arc in in some like ways. He's like the most consistent like film character I think. Even though I don't love like some of the Wolverine solo movies, like sure. I think like he has such a consistent like arc and feel 100%. and that's what makes him like a great character to centerpiece in this movie. Um for me, I've just always been obsessed with like the Professor X Magneto mm. like interaction. I think that's incredible hero villain interaction. Oh, like great. even yeah, though yeah. Professor X isn't necessarily like the main character of this movie, like I think just having these two characters that simply put want the same thing but have different ways of achieving it with the B the B villain, the the understory of the lawmakers mm-hmm. and this whole like, you know, registration act thing that gets carried on through the franchise. Um I just think uh that's also another cool element is having the history that they have and I think this movie does an incredible job of like even though this is the first time we see Magneto and Professor X on screen like conveying the history that they have with one another it does leave a little I was surprised how little Xavier side of that is covered though. right there, there was a little bit of like well you guys know Professor Xavier mm-hmm. so yeah because you get Magneto like a as dream. a kid in the beginning which is he's got oh a dream oh my gosh oh, so, yeah. but that's I mean that's really like there's not really a deep explanation of why Professor Xavier is Professor Xavier is there He's no. he's very much a supporting character yeah. yeah I called him Professor I wrote down Professor Exposition <laughs> <laughs> because um, that's that is literally what he does absolutely yeah yeah now, when you okay, I'm gonna go and bring this up. Yeah, this we'll, we'll return to this in morality. You said he has a dream, which immediately calls to mind Martin Luther King. I yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the movie ends. The last line in the movie is Magneto saying, "By any means necessary," mm-hmm. yeah. which is you know Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and okay, so y- y- were you what do you what do you guys think about that? Like obviously intentional parallel on the filmmakers' part. Oh, yeah. But do you I think, think that's so. like? Well, X-Men has always been this, like, large metaphor for, like, social yes. outcasts, whether sure. that be, like, people of color during, you know, the civil rights movement or, like, uh, you know, LGBTQ people, especially in today's world. Like, I think that's what makes X-Men so universally, like, able to connect to it because you have those threads of, like, real world, you know. Well, sure. And you have to remember that the X-Men literally started right in the heart of civil rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point, it, you weren't going to... You weren't going to make a comic with black characters and tell that story because that's, one, not going to sell at that point, and two, way too risky for Marvel to, to even touch. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what they did. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they just took a bunch of white kids, turned them into mutants, and said, this is exactly how we're going to tell this story. So, I mean, right. I definitely think... The movie was was accepting of that 1960s view of it and, sure. and played into it heavy. Yeah, and um, well, I guess maybe we want to save this for uh, 
Yeah, I keep morality. running through things that like kind of go. With there's everything. the so the movie opens with Pole in 1944, and it like it immediately gets into the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Brian Singer's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And right, am I wrong? I'm not sure. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. I think I could he. I think it, he but... is. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't know a lot about the history of Magneto, mm-hmm. but is that was that something they fabricated or? Threw in for no, this movie. That's no, always, that's always, always been, been a part of his character. He's okay. always been Which, Jewish. Yeah. That's one of those X Men problems that the more years between the Holocaust and where we are in X Men comics becomes like weirder and weirder okay. and weirder because right. it's like I was in the Holocaust, which makes me <laughs> 179 years old. Because like, it's not you can't really move him like no, in time. Right. No, like, yeah, yeah, and there's nowhere else to move him to that fits the character. You can't just be like, well, instead of this Holocaust thing, let's uh. You were in Vietnam and you were a POW. Like, there's nowhere yeah. to go with it. Doesn't it. work. Yeah. No, that that I could not believe how good that scene was. Which at the in beginning, Poland, yes, it's great. It's yeah. incredible. I had forgotten how strong it was. It is great. And it, uh, the shot, the final shot of that sequence before it dissolves to Mississippi, which is I didn't like that edit too much. But it's like it's like looking up at a watchtower, mm-hmm. yeah. which was really cool. And I was like, hey, that's thematically mm-hmm. relevant. Also, <laughs> the name of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess to sort of tie this back into hero villain, I really like that it doesn't shy away from the real world elements. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that informs Logan's story in this because it's like you're, we're able to. Like we know about the civil rights movement, we know about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're able to, you know, apply that to the character while we're watching. Mm-hmm. How do we think Logan and Magneto's arc specifically work together? Because I felt like maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention, like at the beginning, or I'd forgotten. I don't know, but I felt like the whole like Magneto once Logan like came in kind of late for me. Which I get part of it's like you think he's hunting Rogue, mm-hmm. and then but. I don't know. I feel like it came in kind of late. Well, you think I he's hunting know. Wolverine, but he's actually hunting Rogue. Rogue. Right. That's yeah. what I meant. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, what do we... It was... Some of that stuff I thought was kind of a plot contrivance, especially with like... So there's one line with Rogue's like, oh, I want to go up north. And then, okay, she's up north. And that's how yeah. she meets Wolverine. Yeah. That's a bit of a contrivance. And then like Sabretooth and the X-Men just... Happening Showing to fu- up yeah. There, yeah, so that's that's also kind of a contrivance. <laughs> yeah. But at like at some level, I'm like, okay, this is thematically interesting that mm-hmm. I can look over, I can overlook all this other mm-hmm. stuff. There's a lot of weird skit. There's a lot of weird stuff that they don't do in the the real MCU movies, where like, why is Rogue Rogue at this point? Why like is the word name? Rogue? Right. It's, not, it's not her name, right. and she's a regular person. Why does she have a code name? She's <laughs> yeah. nobody right. at this she didn't point. Go yeah. Yeah. yeah, like there's a lot of weird, like, well, you've probably heard of these guys, so right. we're just going to f- spoon feed you the things that you know and move forward type stuff. Probably. Yeah. yeah, which I feel like is okay because like they could definitely easily hit you over the head with it, sure. and they don't, um, which I appreciate. Um but then again, I'm also coming from a standpoint of having known about the X-Men like before I saw that really watched this movie, whereas people watching this maybe for the first time mm-hmm. should have had more build up and context mm-hmm. with that. Um, I did read that Brian Singer was the one who had the idea of let's make Rogue a really important character because he said that uh, I just read this last night, like on Wikipedia or something. But he said that Rogue's power makes her the most alienated. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he's like, that's that's thematically the most important thing we can do in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of her and Logan's arc are really kind of intertwined. Uh, I don't know if I would go so far as to say they're both the main character. 
I, I think Wolverine I is like the hero. And but it almost sets it up for Rogue to be just because of those two opening scenes just juxtaposed against each other mm. with Magneto and yeah, Rogue. That's true. Because like Logan's already established in his power where Rogue's like learning. Yeah, I don't know. That's There's, interesting. He, my guess is it was probably supposed to be more of both, but but Jackman is so iconic on screen so quickly that that right. even if it plays that way it's impossible to ignore and this was his first hollywood role that's crazy it, yeah it is yeah he wasn't even supposed to get the part yeah uh some other dude who oh god left. No, i don't want to know who it was <laughs> i can't remember Maybe his name yeah i wonder if he's someone he he's left, probably a no, yeah yeah he left three weeks into filming wow so then they had to get this guy wow. um on like the the hero arc side of things i think one thing this movie does incredibly well that i really liked um that a lot of teen movies don't do well enough, like with Justice League that we talked about, um, is relationships between our heroes. Like, I love, I don't think it was done amazingly, but I love, like, the Rogue Logan relationship that's, like, kind of mentory, kind of romantic. It's this weird, it's kind of weird, but I like, I love that. I love the connection with Magneto and Professor X, with Mystique and how she fits into it all, with the love triangle with Logan and Jean and... Um, Scott, I just I love that they work to have these character relationships that build because by the time you get to X Men Last Stand, which everyone notoriously like dislikes because Brian Singer didn't do it, it's the third one, it's not as good. But but these character relationships mean something, and I think I lack that in some of the more recent superhero movies. Mm. Um, so I really like what they do with bringing the X Men together and weaving them together. Sure. Also consistent, I th- I think with the comics that. Avengers characters rarely have that sort of fraternal bond, even current day, fraternal bonding. And X-Men was always almost more about that than anything else. It's like it's sort of the soap opera of Marvel Comics in the best possible way. I mean, taking taking um, like Rogue's just Kitty Pride in this movie. And they (laughs) which, again, you guys probably haven't read that stuff. But yeah, I am familiar. It's a pretty one to one uh, version of what they did. And that's the best stuff. Like, I don't really care. I, I like when they fight villains, but. I want to see them like playing softball and complaining about <laughs> their love interests and stuff right. like that. Yeah. I know that's a terrible right. take, but no, and I that's like why that. I think Brian Singer was such a smart choice because mm-hmm. he was like, you know, he was more of an he brought like an indie sensibility to it, mm-hmm. very character driven. It's yeah. kind of like the action scenes in this movie are maybe the worst parts, I, like because I think the the character drama is, is really good, and I think the reason it's so good is because basically everything is how does this character relate to Logan? Mm-hmm. So it has that through line through the whole thing. It's just really right. smart. I think yeah. the the script, other than the plot contrivances, <laughs> I think it has um, an artistry to it that I don't really see in today's superhero movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. I said this when we saw Iron Man. I was like, it feels like a real movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah. totally fair. I totally agree with that. So, yeah, I think the, the <clears throat> hero and villain arcs, there's just a lot of really great things about them because you've got Professor X and Magneto, you've got Logan's hero arc, you've got, you know, Senator Kelly and how it ties into that bigger theme of, like, these X-Men are being, like, persecuted, basically, for being mutants. And so I really think, like, as far as arcs go, it does an amazing job of weaving in all these different ideas. Right. And using the characters to show those ideas instead of just dumb expositional stuff that feels, you know, force-fed. Right. I would say that so, so I'm drawing the parallel between Magneto and Logan. Right. But the movie does too with the motif of the the tagging. Mm-hmm. But I would say Rogue is the thing that sets Wolverine on on the righteous path or whatever. Right. And yeah. Magneto doesn't have that sort of relationship. Right. No, God, I could, no. Yeah. Right. 
do we all agree that the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants in this is a really weak spot in the film? I think it's probably the weakest spot. Sabretooth. Yeah. God, just has like, <laughs> He just has like these Jeez. like like two like minions, two or three minions well, who are just like. I liked Toad. I have to say. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, I liked Toad. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. It's Darth Maul. <laughs> Ray Park. He played Darth Maul. And then that's not helping. Darth Maul is cool. What um, like, just okay, when when they reveal Toad and he's wearing the goggles, he got the big eyes. Like okay, that's a fun, that's a fun yeah. little idea. Yeah, and it makes him look like you know bug eyed. Yeah. And a note on the costume design. I think the costume design in this movie is incredible. Depends. Uh, and I know. Yeah. Well, as a, are you coming at this from like a fan? Like a uh, fan? no, I'm coming at it from. Okay. I, I think the I think the biggest mistake they made in this movie that Iron Man proved completely wrong is by taking away the iconic, colorful costumes yeah. that everybody knew and loved. They were distancing themselves in a way that they shouldn't have. And and Marvel, the MCU now is like, you know, there's little variations right, right, and right. stuff, but they they go hard into that. It's what you. Spider-Man's a ridiculous-looking character, no matter how you look but at it. And I don't iconic. want him to look any other way yeah. than that right. ridiculous Spider-Man. And I love the hell out of all of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally all of them. And I, I thought unifying them in this sort of black costume really, especially the X-Men of all teams, where, like, that's the best thing about them is there's this Native American-looking guy next to this. Like, it's just, sure. like, all over the place. And it didn't feel I, – I miss that feel when you see the students walking around the school – and you're like, where are the weird ones? Where are like the mm-hmm. real outcasts here? Because they all look like just a bunch of normal school kids. Yeah, well, I can, the, I can get behind that. I wasn't exactly referring to the X Men costumes. I oh. meant like just costume design in general. Hmm. Like, um, uh, I like that they worked in the hood into Rogue's costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah. Wolverine. Uh, we already mentioned the hair, but his hair, it looks silly. Like, no one would ever have yeah. hair yes, like that. Agreed. But that's yeah. a way to, like, sort of reference For sure. his costume yeah. in the comics. Okay, and, I see and, like, Kind his... of, like, re- bringing them into, like, the real world yes. enough, but still having, like, the iconic. Right, like, exactly. Right. Yeah, I, I think Toad's like goggles are a good way to... ridiculous yeah. visor. <laughs> well, it's not just the visor, but his sunglasses have right. red tentacles. Right. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. That's kind of smart. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one other. Oh, Wolverine's jacket has like these little stripes on it. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I noticed yeah, that. That's, so that's cool. And Jean like wears like red. Yeah. And, like, exactly. Yeah. So okay, I from, I can from get... a filmmaking perspective, I think the costume design yeah. is really good. For yeah. the way they did it, they did a really good job of it. I just don't like the choice. I understand. Yeah. Um, this is kind of getting into spectacle, I guess. Yeah, I think we should shift move over on. to spectacle. Okay, sure. Um, but um, so the movie goes for a real world tone. We already mentioned the Holocaust and civil rights movement. And it's got this political story that's that's the B story that sort of drives everything. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's why they went with the costumes they went with, talking specifically about the team costume at the end, which mm-hmm. is just the black leather. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think everything else remaining the same, the same tone for everything else, mm-hmm. would that would the comic book costumes have worked? I don't know, because... I'm coming from a place where, like, okay, I know it's not your favorite, but, like, I love X-Men First Class, Mm -hmm. and they wear the original, like, Mm -hmm. costumes in that, and it's, like, that's where they started, and then, like, you know, it's, like, it evolved. Um, It doesn't bother me, but then again, and I don't think, I don't necessarily think it would have worked, but then again, I didn't, like, grow up on the comics, Mm -hmm. so I feel like 
maybe it would have felt out of place to a viewer who didn't grow up on the comics and were like, what is this? But if you're, like, a comic fan, I feel like it wouldn't phase you. I, does that make sense? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Wouldn't the Nolan Batmans be sort of proof of concept of you can still do that? I mean, a little different in tone, but that you can still do that tone and still go go into the real... Hmm. I, I don't know, because that costume is very different, actually. It's it, different, but it's still ridiculous. I guess. It's not like they know. put Batman in a black leather jacket with, like, a <laughs> beanie on top that covers it. You look like, at it, and you're like, that's Batman. Yeah. Which I, you probably, you know, maybe you wouldn't get that with this. When you see the, if you just saw at like, all, uh, yeah. like with especially with the main, the main right. X Men, like weirdly they did better with the characters who were not X Men yet than they did the people, the core people in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think I think they should have gone for it, but I do like what you pointed out about finding subtler ways to mm-hmm. tie in all right. their original. Yeah. Um, they were also dealing with a history of movies that had done that really badly yeah. before like you're looking at like the 90s punisher yeah. going like well nobody's gonna watch this crap so i, I get the logic at the time right yeah just... i think today you can definitely make it work i don't know if yeah. they would have been able to make it work just, it's kind of, sorry that's not a good answer but because magneto's is actually pretty close it yeah is. his is great yeah Really, for the most part, all the the I mean, Toad's such a d- d- just dumb character in general <laughs> that you can't do him the way he is in the comics. Toad's but awesome. like Sabretooth's pretty much wearing his right. his real costume, and everybody else. Um, is. Mystique, right? Mystique yeah. is, is spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, they probably could have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the spectacle note, can we please talk about the opening credits? Can we please? Yes. I just think they're amazing. Like they I are. just love the opening credits. Like, especially like if I had been watching that before, I'd seen like better opening credits i feel like i just would have been like yes this is so cool you know like i feel like it really hypes you up with the music and the graphics and the whole like dna thing what's your opinion on this they're cool and i'm I'm sure at the time i thought they were cool but in retrospect when you look at that period like every movie was Mm -hmm. okay this like spider-man this is the period where the camera spirals through things like fight club this (laughs) everything was that at the point so it didn't watching it now it felt really dated but it was probably very cool but they've kept that up through the x-men films that intro which i like that they've made it like a mark of the franchise Um, it sets up cerebro it does it does which i i appreciate it Man, I gotta say real quick, like watching these films, because I'm, I'm like a big fan of like the recent X Men films in a sense that like they're terrible, but like I also just really love them. Like it's just this weird like balance where I'm like, yeah, I know they're bad, but they're funny, fun mm. movies. Um, mm-hmm. and there are just so many inconsistencies between those and like this movie. Like in this movie, like, uh, Charles is like, yeah, Eric and I met when we were like seventeen, and like, doesn't he get Cerebro for the first? No, does he get Cerebro for the first time in this movie? No, or Magneto gets the helmet for the first time in this movie. Uh, he just has it. He just yeah. But, they don't really explain. But it. but at one point Charles is like he's figured out how to block. My oh, thoughts. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like he gets the helmet for the because, first time in this weird. Because way. good guy Charles does the thing where immediately upon arriving he's reading people's <laughs> minds because that's like yeah perfectly he's so ethical. Problematic. Oh, he's way. the worst. Yeah. He's the worst. <laughs> um, he was trying to save those people. He, Anybody who thinks, like, okay, we can do this thing and then mind wipe everybody to forget stuff. Not that that happens here, but, like, that's, like, sort of, like, a mark of his character. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. They should spend more time on why he's such a bad guy than Magneto. Um, oh, man. <laughs> well, wow. I, I think that that is a very interesting ethical dilemma to go into. In just, the, morality, I don't think this though. story... Yeah. No, yeah. it's right, not but, here. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, this yeah. story you'd have to no, 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 no. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's um, spectacle. 
<laughs> uh, the character intros are freaking amazing. Like, introing their powers, mm-hmm. introing, like, when Mystique, like, busts out and does her first, like, opening thing, I was just like, I had seen it before, but I was just right. like, this is right. so cool. When you get the reveal of, like, Rogue's power, both, like, the first time that it happens, and then with, um, with her discovering that she can draw, like, powers from mm-hmm. other mutants. Like, that was so cool. There are just so many clever reveals to, like, their powers that makes mm-hmm. this movie yeah. so exciting to watch because it it is real-worldy and they do ground their powers, but yeah. it still feels heroic and, you know, right. out uh, amazing, I guess. Right. I just I, love uh, the character intros. I do, too. Uh, I Wolverine's is probably my favorite. Which yeah. is, yeah. I mean, you, the cage fight is really cool, but just the little moment where, uh, I, this must this is probably a Brian Singer moment where he like grabs his knuckles. Yeah. And I'm like, I remember seeing this movie the first time, and Wolverine says, "Every time it hurts, every time." Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's always stuck with me, and I Amazing. never considered that before. Yep. Yeah. Was that in the comics ever? They ever cover that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's okay. a that's a pretty recurring, and that's where I forget which of you was talking about that, but the balance between. Wolverine and Rogue's powers are totally different, but so similar that way in that, like, they're Mm life-ruining. They are, Mm -hmm. you know, Rogue... Where Spider-Man and people like that have an accident or this happens to them and it's, like, an inciting moment, it's so much cooler with mutants because they don't know. And it, it, it happens just spontaneously most times and they're freaked out and they don't know how to react to it. And for both of them to have to live with the powers that they live with, it, it was a nice way to bond them together that, mm-hmm. that it's, it's what a mess that is and it's we got into this with Fantastic Four but it's like what is more Marvel than that idea that mm-hmm. this is an affliction I have to live with mm-hmm. yeah. and yet I will be a hero somehow mm-hmm. yeah that is to me that's defines Marvel Comics absolutely um on like a kind of like negative spectacle note the whole like Senator Kelly turning into this like yeah what it's so so what happened there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know that I totally understand what the machine does. Me neither. Like, it's one of the worst villain plots yeah. that we've ever had. It's pretty pretty bad. Like, he's just like, and then he like disintegrates into water. And it's all so weird. Like, the whole, like, what happens to Senator Kelly, I was just like, this is insanely ridiculous he like walks on the beach and it's like didn't it look uh, cool when he shoved his head through the bars no. oh my gosh yeah that didn't hold up perfectly oh, <laughs> i guess it was like uh, what it's called the x gene or something right yeah. yeah so the machine gave him that and then his body was trying to it doesn't it doesn't it imply that like everyone has like a like, like a natural like like mutant gene that you can unlock. I don't know if they went into that in and this so, one, did they? But isn't that like a I guess thing? you'd have to guess yeah. maybe that's the but logic. But like that would right. be his right. like thing and he just hadn't figured out how to control it yet or something. You'd I don't hope know. it's that and not just like this is a mutant ray gun <laughs> where like if I shoot you with it you're a mutant now because randomly that's pretty like yeah. Weak. Yeah. <laughs> they could have gone more into detail. Yeah. Because yeah. it just it looks silly. It was silly. But mm. I do like I I liked when he died. I thought that looked kind of cool. When he like turns into water, it's kind of horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not terrible. Yeah, um, I've seen worse CG than that <laughs> in I, other parts of the movie. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's so amazing, and this isn't just like a movie thing, but this is maybe just an X Men thing. How they all have such different powers, but they do such a good job of when they're like fighting together, of making them work together, mm-hmm. making them seem 
relatively even powered because if you just think about it you're like okay professor x like is a telepath and then like um you know like bobby can freeze things you're like okay how is that even remotely like equal (laughs) but they somehow do an amazing job of making all the powers feel unique and special and like they all serve a distinct purpose it's also where they're the best team because they created the danger room yeah which the fact that this whole thing takes place at a school not that this comes up really in this one as much, mm-hmm. but the fact that the danger room's a part of it, that's there you don't ever see the Avengers like working on their moves together. Yeah. Like right. that's not and yeah. in X Men, that's like the most consistent thing that yeah. you ever right. see. So it, it pays off. The it there's sort of the the montage where Xavier is walking Logan through the school mm-hmm. and there's this part where Jean Grey is uh like using her telekinesis to fly discs around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cyclops is shooting. I think that's a good example of what yeah. you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I noticed, too, it was so funny watching this movie because, like, the one moment that didn't feel, like, it was amazing to me because a lot of it felt, like, new and, like, fresh and, like, exciting, even though I'd seen it before and it's an older movie, but, like, the one part that caught me was that, like, Logan literally fights, like, himself, which they use again in the movie Logan. Yeah, that's the one thing about Logan I didn't like. Yeah, because now that feels... Now that feels so, like, reused to me. Right. Like, I didn't even realize. Like, I was like, this is the same thing that happens in X-Men, is that he, like, fights himself. And in thousands upon thousands of Wolverine and X-Men comics. Why? I mean, why? Uh, why that okay. with Logan? Because it's a cheap, easy... Why there's him, a factory. Though? Well, because, I mean, that's... I mean, he was basically yeah. built in a factory where they can do that. Yeah. And it's like, well, what do we need? Now we need a Russian version of this, because they stole the thing, so... Here's Omega Red, and like they've been doing that. It, it's but it's it's lazy. Yeah, like, it's super it, lazy. That was the one time in this movie I was watching it, and I was like. But if you're okay. gonna be fair to it, that gave us X twenty. That logic gives us X twenty three, who is pretty amazing yeah. in that movie. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, we'll get to Logan. Yeah, that'll be exciting. You wanna come back for Logan? I would definitely come back okay, for Logan. Cool. Sweet, talk about that for sweet. a while. Um. So yeah, but on a spectacle scale, especially with. Not having the best special effects, like, I think this movie does an incredible job of never... It it never feels like totally just cheese factor other than Senator Kelly stuff. Um, but they make it all <clears throat> work within its bounds. They make the powers feel worldly, mm-hmm. but also cool and, like, exciting and different. I Like like I said, one of my favorite moments is Mystique. Are they in a helicopter? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the Mystique best. in the helicopter. I just love how how she, she like fights. I was, was bored. So... Like I forgot that. And I yeah, was like, that was like my really favorite good. moment. Yeah. There are a lot of like simple little camera tricks in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of them where oh, they just speed up the footage. Yeah, and it's like it seems like she's really kicking the shit out of this yeah. guy, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just sped up footage <laughs> and good uh good uh, uh sound design. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's really solid. It yep. works. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about the cinematography because it's yeah. like this is one of the best shot superhero yeah. movies. Yeah, still, bar oh, none. absolutely. Because it's usually, I mean, just the the use of like, like there's a great shot at the beginning when with Charles and uh, Magneto, Magneto, Eric, whatever, whoever, <laughs> and and uh, it's it's when you're introduced to Ian McKellen, his whole face is just silhouetted. Mm-hmm. And it's got, like, you know, he's all the way over here on this side of the frame. It's cool. It's just, it's a well-shot movie. Yeah. And there are, like, these visual um, motifs, I guess. Like, I mentioned the the tagging. But they're, like, and I don't think I'm reading too much into this. There is a a, a recurring idea of crosses 
Yes. Oh, Everyone. totally. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And I think, you know, you could sort of read into and one. And X's. You X's, know, they X's kind of are the sure. same, like, thing. Right. Yep. right. But we're, yeah. Which is which was, is why the ending of Logan is cool. It's because mm-hmm. it yes. sort of references that. So cool. The X and the cross. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I just, like, sobbed. We'll <laughs> I just, like, that. She turns over awesome. the, the cross. So spoiler alert. Um, but like, and I just, like, sobbed, yeah. But, yeah, like, the use of visual motifs. Mm-hmm. What other movie, what other superhero movie does that? What yeah. other superhero movies doing that today? I, Most of them don't have time because it doesn't fit within the the new Marvel format. That's true. Right. That's like, true. You yeah. don't. There's there's moments in this that would never, even the even the the on the the helicopter. There's a nice long setup to that moment that makes it so holy crap when it mm-hmm. when she when she becomes Mystique. Like yeah. they, they do such a good job of building, and the new ones just don't take the time to do that because they've got to like save the world twice right. and deal with the infinity ring like it's, it's just right. too crowded that's what i loved about this is there was no like huge like oh the earth is ending mm-hmm. like you don't need that to right, make a right. compelling mm-hmm. narrative and a comparing compelling conflict because my favorite thing about x-men is that they so well combine like this these super rogue powers fighting with like this real world mm-hmm. like we are being persecuted as mm-hmm. people. And it's just like, no one has done that that well, mm-hmm. like ever. It's just so. it's just smart filmmaking. Like the yeah. end is Ellis Island. Okay, you got the immigration theme sure. and persecution. It's just well done, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's like... And it uh, never felt like heavy handed to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's woven in, all the spectacle is woven in to the narrative, mm-hmm. which is something that's been lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't really notice a ton of music Obviously, the opening oh, the music, music is amazing, but I, I don't know. Like, did you know, are there specific themes? Yes. For me, yes. This is my Michael Kamen, uh, the okay. like, great Michael Kamen. He, he was a great composer. Mm-hmm. Um, he did like the Iron Giant, Lethal Weapon, some of my favorites. And then this one, yeah, it's it's he's got an interesting style in this movie. Like, it's kind of haunted. Yeah. Uh, but there are themes in there. And the coolest thing is he works in... It's barely there, but he works in the animated series theme when they're oh, leaving really? in the X jet. Like it's oh, just barely there. Yeah, I think like, I vaguely remember that. That's so fantastic. Cool. I'm like that's this. So like the guy cared to do it, <laughs> right? Yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing uh, with all these reboots and adaptations we constantly get. I all these Transformer movies, which you know, not very good, <laughs> but not a single one has the theme song. Yeah, like, come on, it's a great theme song. Just yeah. do it. Put it in the score. One of my favorite things was watching. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming in theaters and the opening Marvel credits mm. has a Michael Giacchino scored uh, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. theme. And I'm just like, that like immediately like ties you into the comic books and into the history. And like, why don't more superhero movies like take the care to like really give you something that you take away? Because the music is so important, you know? Which is weird because they do that with with visual Easter eggs all the time. Of like, course. they make sure and hide, hide this character here and this character yeah. here. But, yeah, there's definitely elements that they should be using that they don't. Yeah, especially with the music, mm-hmm. I think. For me, the mu- yeah, for me, this is a one of the great superhero scores. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, a big fanfare sort of theme like you would get from Danny Elfman, like, with Batman or right. Spider-Man. It's more psychological, which fits the characters. Mm-hmm. It fits yeah. the subject material. Um, so I really appreciate it for that. Uh, this is just, Rob, I'll tell you this. Um, I don't know how like familiar you are with the more recent X-Men movies or if you like them at all, but First Class is my favorite superhero score of all time, and like Seth just like hates me for this. But, I'm, um, I'm like amazed by y'all's level of... Score is just not a thing. Like I'll, I'll think, oh, that was good, but right. past that, it's a thing that goes completely past... Like, the, in the best possible way, like it's doing its job because it's it's 
what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. and it makes mm-hmm. the scene better, but it's not something I ever take away. Well, for me, like, I am a person that, like, listens to movie scores when I'm, like, Same. studying right. and yeah. stuff. So I think that ties into a lot it a lot, because sure. if I'm, like, listening to it somewhere where I'm not watching the movie, it immediately, like, recalls Evokes, that yeah. back. Um, but, yeah. I, I like to approach it just... Uh, I'm not, like, a musician, but I, I like music. I mm-hmm. like music theory. So I, I think about it on that level, too. Sure. Um, yeah, because I think, like, one of our biggest problems with, like, Justice League, for example, is that they didn't do anything new with the music. They just use like, old themes. Yeah, it was which like, is lazy. That's Ugh. terrible. Yeah. And so I think it's really great when you can find, like, a theme that identifies a character and really solidifies that. Um, especially if you're world building the way that X-Men is. Exactly. You're, you're and especially to... if, especially with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the easiest way mm. to tie those films together is music. Mm. Because if you have the Avengers theme and then like you play it into a scene, like in a later Avengers movie, you're like, oh, we're about to like get to that big moment. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Star so, Wars. Yeah. Right. Star Wars does that as a perfect example. Yeah. So. Anything else on spectacle? No, I just uh, think this film, what, what did, so were the visual effects just like mind blowing when you saw this for the first time? Was, Did they feel like how does? Obviously, it holds up pretty well, I think. Other than the yeah, fish a couple, stuff. it's there got its moments like moments, anything but... from that period does. When Toad eats the bird, that's <laughs> <laughs> why do you keep bringing up Toad? I love um, Toad. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it's not one of those movies. This is from my memory, but it's yeah. not one of those movies where you leave and you're like, oh my god, the effects on that just blew me away. But mm. I don't think that was the goal. But it was exactly, or the and, point. Like, and it was not... they were believable and fit that sort of feel that you were talking mm-hmm. about. And that was enough at the time. Again, because you're coming off of years of just abysmal right. movies with terrible effects. So yeah. at a certain point, you're going to be real forgiving so, of a lot of that. They're actually... Stuff. But they're, they are good. They're used kind of sparingly, too. That's, they the, are, that's yeah. the beauty. Exactly. Well, and a lot of... Um... A lot of the powers are less visual mm-hmm. because, like, Ro- like Rogue, yeah. you don't ever see her right. powers. Professor X, like Jean, mm-hmm. I mean, she lifts stuff, but you know, yeah, I think that's what's so cool about X Men is they find a way to make the powers super impactful without having to have this big like I'm flying through the air, you know, that kind of thing. They also made a lot of choices, especially for this one, with it being sort of the test case for this. Mm-hmm. Th- there's enough X Men characters that they were able to pick and choose their way around, like. Boring We're not going to put Beast in this because oh. that seems like that's going to be kind right, of a pain right. in the ass. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> sorry, I actually read last night that they wanted to do Beast and some producer at Fox was like, nope, that's going to cost too much money. We're not doing it. Even Which though they is did weird Mystique. because they could have done, and this is. Yeah. Which this, you had to do Mystique, but like, you know. The, were either of you, I guess as non-comic people, like the, the only thing that hurt me when this first came out was that they didn't use the original team and that they started uh, more more right. in the future. Like, they could have done Beast. Beast was not... He didn't always have hair. They could have done... But I right. guess that's kind of a lame So, who was the, the original, original, original team? Uh, Scott, Iceman, Beast, Angel. Mm, yeah. And then Jean Grey is introduced right away as the new member of this team that exists. Right. See, that's so interesting because, like, even in the more recent films... Like, they don't ever set up the original team. Like, it's always, like, skating around it, mm-hmm. yeah. which is weird. Yeah, no, that definitely... I mean, I had that beef with Avengers because, sure. like, I didn't know the comics before I watched Avengers, but after becoming familiar with the mm-hmm. comics and attached to the comics, I was like, why this? Like, why choose this, you know, group? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it doesn't bother me. And I'm not, you know, I've read one X-Men comic. Sure. Um, but to me, it's like, 
the movie is the movie. Do what is best for the story. Sure. Because yeah. I think that's why this movie has endured is because they said, let's get the story right. Let's get the movie yeah. parts yeah. right. Yeah. And like Justice League, which, you know, not very good, but it didn't bother me that that wasn't the original six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I liked seeing Cyborg. Cyborg was one of the best parts of that movie, mm-hmm. even though he's not one of the original members. Like, it was fine. So that stuff, it doesn't bother me too much, yeah. personally. Um, morality? Uh, wait, I want to I wanted to say oh, something okay. else about uh, Spectacle. The, gosh, where was it? Well, just a couple shots I really liked. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this shot when Wolverine and Sabretooth are up on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And Wolverine, like, it's this weird camera movement where Wolverine like falls backwards and then he uses his claws mm-hmm. yeah. to yeah. grab the thing. And it's like, there are some frames in there where it's like, ooh, that's some bad CGI. But then it's like, it doesn't cut. And then suddenly, oh, it's Hugh Jackman again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, somehow that worked. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really shouldn't have. Yeah. But it's dizzying up to, up on top of right, that in a right. cool way. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. And I wanted to mention this when you were talking about how the characters' powers are used, mm-hmm. and I think this just plays into like they put story for story first. I hate so much in all these movies when the hero just wins because he like tries hard. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah. That, that comes yeah. to mind immediately when yeah. he like lifts the rubble off. I'm yeah. like, okay, he just you grunted a little bit. Like that's <laughs> not a hero. But in this movie, it's like. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Rob's very. Stuck. Rob I dropped my paper and I thought paper. it was going to be loud. This is why you have digital notes like us on our phones. Come on, come on, get. Your phone battery can die. You <laughs> it could, could. Yeah, exactly. He's having to scroll around That's over true. there. That's true. That's true. All, right, all right, all right. <laughs> but anyway, like, but in this movie, and it almost went there when Wolverine uh, uh, is being held back mag- by Magneto and his claws are like literally being bent. I'm like, because I couldn't remember exactly how it ended. I was thinking. I hope he just doesn't try hard and he just like pushes through because that's so boring. That's not a heroic thing. Mm-hmm. It's not completing the hero's journey mm-hmm. where the hero has like a revelation. It's like, oh, I have to do this thing. But it works here because like Wolverine has to rely on someone mm-hmm. and Scott has to be like, okay, I have to be a leader in this scene. Mm-hmm. Like it works. It becomes a, it becomes a team moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just it's really good. It's great. Yeah. I guess that's uh, about it for spectacle. Yeah. I just wanted to harp on the cinematography no. really. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. Um. So obviously we already talked about like just the basic like morality of X-Men has always been incredible with this whole like these are people who haven't chosen to be the way they are um, and it makes them different and you know that's so relatable and so universal Um, and I think too like we mentioned with Magneto and Professor X just having like they both want mutants to be accepted but they're going about it in different ways and, and you can see like, good and bad sides to both of their viewpoints, which I think is just incredible the way they do that, especially throughout the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Panther kind of did the same thing. Right, right. With the Because I, I know you haven't seen Black Panther, mm-hmm. Rob, but um, you you reach this point in the middle of the movie where you're like, I'm sort of, like, with the villain on this, but sure. I'm with the hero, too. That's the best. And I really like that because mm-hmm. if you make it totally black and white, it doesn't fit real life because real life isn't like that and you just get shut down if you know you're sort of the downfall of most of the marvel movies i would agree with that That yeah they just have this blatantly evil villain that you're like of course they're evil like why wouldn't they be you know and then they die yeah yeah it's a time (laughs) thing they're like well i don't have time to develop why loki is the way he is yeah here's this jerk yeah but in this you've got an incredible villain Mm -hmm. um with magneto and just Mm -hmm. the 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 real world allegory 
is I think it's done so well. It is. And yeah. I would I would love to see movies deal with that. Black Panther deals with it too, and it's yes. it's very interesting. And uh, for a while, I was kind of like, should superhero movies deal with this sort of material? But then I was like reading Golden Age Superman comics, mm-hmm. and like it's in there. Mm-hmm. Like he he goes and fights. Uh, like uh, robber barons, basically, or like war profiteers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. I mean, that's how le- superheroes were created, yeah. you know? Like, Captain America was created because they wanted someone to, like, fight the Nazis to, yeah, and fight Hitler. Yeah. Like, you know? Um, I think that's the best way to really make superheroes matter because mm-hmm. you think about them in everyday life and you think about yourself being a hero and fighting for the same thing they believe in. You know, that may, be, that may sound cheesy, but no. that's like, the key, the key and i think x-men achieves it better than anything i've ever seen in my oh opinion. really mm-hmm. i really oh. think that x-men is the best like these heroes are applicable to real life and connect like real world things with powers and because i just think the allegory is amazing of this can apply to anyone who's been persecuted mm-hmm. um yeah and the split of good guys and bad guys where the, yeah. the, they've all been persecuted and the generally when it's mutants versus mutants mm-hmm. and the ones on the bad side you're also like you know what i totally see how they got there yeah, yeah. it's not just like the vulture you because know it, the the like magneto isn't fighting the x-men because he doesn't like the x-men he's fighting them because they're trying to stand in his way of fighting he's actually know, fighting the for humans them. yeah mm-hmm. and so i think like x-men just knocks it out of the park on the morality scale for me it, it's great in this movie too that they had to do so little to get you there with Magneto. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we all come in with a little baggage on that, but that scene's what, like three minutes long in the beginning? It's not like it's it's, right, it's right. real long. And you're immediately like, oh, I'm at least a little with this guy. Yeah, like, well, That's fair. I think giving him the Holocaust background just does everything you, you need to do yeah. for the character because not only is it one of like the worst events in human history, so you're like automatically he's mm-hmm. such a victim, but also that like those are the people who have been like most persecuted out of like anyone in history is the Jews. And so that's another group that relates to right, right. mutants. Right. Um, and I'm just, I, Brian Singer was so, he's the perfect choice for this movie. Cause I swear he is Jewish, but he is gay. And like, he's bringing mm-hmm. that to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian McKellen's gay. Like mm-hmm. I think he said in an interview like that attracted me to the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the, I, I completely agree with you, Alex, that it's, it's the best part of the movie, mm-hmm. and it, it it's firing on all cylinders here. It's because mm-hmm. it's like, it, yeah, it's what superheroes should tackle moral questions, absolutely, and this does. Well, and I think like, on the gay note, you just got me thinking of this, like, <laughs> the gay note. Yeah, the gay note. Yeah, <laughs> Professor X and Magneto are like a divorced like couple. Sure. Like, oh, especially yeah. when you watch like their origin story and how they were once like together on things like the you know the fans who like if you get into shipping and all that stuff like in X Men First Class they call the scene on the beach the beach divorce because like it's literally like <laughs> oh. they are parents of these of these kids and then they like break up and yeah. divorce and go their stuff like it's it's like they're like a feuding couple in a way just the way they craft the relationship between mm-hmm. Professor X and Magneto and when else have you had a hero and villain who really have that connection you know well, um, and it's so cool that there's this assumed history between them that's gone on for years that we know nothing about right like you I don't think there's is there many other Marvel movies where the villain has a lifelong sort of connection to the no, hero because they tie it Not they always hero, tie but... it in so loosely like you've got like Civil War and Zemo's like the Winter Soldier like killed like my family or whatever and like all yeah. that, but, th- but that's no always brought in later. And there's there. no yeah. Loki's Loki's probably it. I yeah, mean, but even so. that is not done as as well as this for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm. uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I like Maybe I'm having it up too much, but you know, 
But this, um, I mean, this movie does it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down, so we mentioned the, the, the visual metaphor of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And uh, it just made me think of the line. Oh, my God. My phone is breaking. Oh, my your phone's the problem now. My phone. <laughs> not, not my piece of paper. Yeah. Which works Does your piece very of well. paper have a touch, touch screen problem? <laughs> it's not. I just all right, move well, around. I can go off of memory. It's all right. Um, so when Senator Kelly, see, he, he has this moment of, like, redemption, and he, he seeks help, mm-hmm. uh, and the X-Men give it to him, that made me think of the quote in the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be breathe free. And it's like, it's kind of in the subtext, but ultimately that's all this stuff is just reiterating the central idea of the movie, which is, I think, ties into the character, Logan, that you need to be more accepting. You need to be more open to people Mm -hmm. who are different. Like, it's a simple message, but Mm -hmm. the whole, uh, it's just good filmmaking. Everything ties into this one idea. Well, and yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but like when you look at modern superhero movies, like sometimes it's, we go into the morality section of these movies and we're like, wait, what's the point? Like they're Mm -hmm. superheroes, but what's the Mm -hmm. point? And that's why superhero movies are important to me is because I want them to give me some kind of like hope or something to strive toward. Um, That's what I loved about the Avengers is because it was a story about like people coming together and at least that in a basic level, like really like makes you feel something. And so I think that if a superhero movie doesn't do something like that, I don't care. Why is it like, superhero why, movie? Yeah, like, what's Go be what's something else. Yeah. And this for this one to get it right on so many layers of... I mean, Magneto's the obvious layer, but then you've got this... That, that entire thing plays out with Wolverine and Rogue in a different way of... of these are two humans who want nothing to do with people and think that they should be, they should hide themselves away from everybody and they mm-hmm. have to learn to be accepted mm-hmm. that way. Like, it, it, there's so many, Senator Kelly, there's so many different versions of it, whereas you usually don't get one version of that right. in, in right. most movies. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so great about all the X Men is that they're all varying levels of mm-hmm. acceptance of their powers and how they use them. Um, because I think that's what I've always found so fascinating about Jean is she is like the most powerful, mm-hmm. like, mutant and she's scared of herself and you know professor x is like a total master of his powers and magneto and like there's all these different like layers and threads so i feel like everyone can find a character to relate to in that Mm -hmm. because everyone has something that they're self-conscious about or that they don't Mm -hmm. like about themselves and so x-men just like reaches so many levels of humanity yeah for sure um i think it maybe what we're getting at is these movies need to have a moral thesis yeah. Like sure. You pick an idea and you do that. Yeah. And I think movies today start backwards. They're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do the Justice League movie, and it'll yep. have this villain and these characters, but not what is this about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's properties. Yeah. 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 I it's because all the time I feel like Marvel now is thinking, what's the next hero that people want to see, mm-hmm. not what's the next idea that we want to right. convey. Right. And I think especially when you're building a franchise that like builds upon itself like the Marvel Cinematic Universe does, you have to have that unifying theme. Mm-hmm. Because m- the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point is kind of run with the the X-Men trilogy's idea of like responsibility, registration, you know, they're different. But even the Marvel Cinematic Universe has dropped it on so many so many points yeah. and levels. Yeah. Like that so. idea comes up in Civil War and it's like this interesting ethical conflict and then immediately forgotten yeah so i think um x-men if x-men does 
does the X-Men thing, it's always going to be great. But they, you know, have dropped it. We could get into the recent films, but we're not going to tarnish this masterpiece. <laughs> with masterpiece. That, so. it, okay, I'm it, just saying it's a sure. great movie. It's a great movie. Maybe yeah. not a masterpiece. It's, it makes you, that whole thought, though, makes you think, what if, what if we all maybe mistakenly get the dream of having the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Will that, would that happen there? That's what Does this me. work there? That's what scares me. Because now I've kind mm. of accepted that, like, Fox has kind of, like, ruined X-Men and they're just going to keep making X-Men movies and I'll have but fun they with made them. But they did. Mm. But then you've also got X-Men Apocalypse and next is Dark Phoenix and, like, just all these movies. Just get Brian but... Singer out of there. He, he, he was great. And you want to know what's so funny though? Like Brian Singer did the did X Men and X Two, yeah. and then he didn't do the Last Stand, and everyone loved X Men and X Two, and then mm-hmm. like the Last Stand was the one he didn't do. But it's the reverse in the new trilogy. He didn't do First Class, which I love, but mm-hmm. he did Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, which I thought were terrible. <laughs> so it's like it's so well, he I, must have just fallen off somewhere. Quick note on those movies: I don't like the new X Men movies. I think they've just they're not putting story first anymore. I think they did in first class. I thought class. first class. I love first class. Okay. I don't think it's as good as this, but it, it, I think you can make the argument that it's. Okay. Yeah, but enough. I think. Yeah. But with Days of Future Past. Days and of I Future did... Past isn't even a movie. Yeah. Completely agree. And Apocalypse it's, is just. It's just like a lot of stuff thrown on a screen together. Days of Future yeah. Past is, in my opinion, the studio saying we need a soft reboot. And they're like, this is the only way we can do it. Well, yeah, because Where we get rid the, of the old cast and we have the new the cast. The style of reboot in is... In the least comprehensible way. Yes. The style of reboot is, like, time travel and the reset button, which is what they do, and it's just so dumb. So, um... But put, go back to putting story first. Black, we'll get to Black Panther, but I think Black Panther is the first one to do that in a long time. And it the, the parallels between Black Panther and, and this movie are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Isn't it fair... I don't want to like this half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe but isn't it fair to say that a lot of that has to do with having a very skilled director directing yes, the film absolutely like there those two movies are directed by people who had done really amazing I work agree. before yeah. and it's is that all... true of much of the Marvel to be honest I know so little no. about who directs the Marvel movies Marvel... movie to movie it's hit or miss it's really hit or miss you get some good ones yeah you like I think the Rooster Brothers are incredible. They did Winter Soldier and Civil War and mm-hmm. are now doing Infinity War. Um, they come from TV, though. It's, it's a different... different. Yeah. yeah. Um, different I think Ryan Coogler mm-hmm. did an amazing job, but I think there are points where the movies have really failed. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to the director knowing what kind of story they want to tell. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's true in like DC, too. Like the the... All the DC Extended Universe movies suck except Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. who had Patty okay, Jenkins at the okay. helm. You know, All right. I think they suck. <laughs> he likes I'm Seth likes Man, Man of Steel. Steel. Okay. I hated it, but anyway, anyway. Zack Snyder's an artist. Oh, okay. Anyway, okay. I think we're back to morality. Are we like pretty wrapped up on the morality thing for X Men? Yeah, I think so. It's... Is there anything else we want to discuss before we go into ranking? I have a major question I want okay. to ask okay. you guys. Yes. We've gone. How many minutes have we gone now? We're hitting like the hour, hour, like right now. We're fine. We've gone one hour, and in an X Men, the the all the all incorporating X Men who are tolerant of everyone, (laughs) cast Halle Berry for God knows how much money, and no one has mentioned Storm, the least, the the most overlooked character casting in history. Why was she there? Why have Halle Berry play this character? I'm. She has like three lines you in this like movie. You don't like that. I'm confused. No, I like her as a character. She's she's not 
he's saying that like she doesn't do anything. She's like a like, Z level character there? in this movie, and oh. it's Storm. Storm. And it's Storm. Yeah. Storm's huge. You put like arguably the biggest casting outside of Magneto and, and Professor X. She's by far the biggest star that they put in the movie, mm-hmm. and they did nothing with her. She literally barely talks. Okay, yeah. that is a major, major problem. And she's the one yeah. person of color on the team, right? Yeah. I just don't think the story had time for it. But they... Well... But if you had given her a good plot line, you would have had time. You know, like, it's kind of like... But then you, it just gets too... It's too much. Yeah. It just seems weird to have, like... Again, the X-Men... But let's focus on these white, all these white people. You know, like yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it just seemed odd to put her in there. Yeah, that is that is very strange. I guess. It... And she only comes into the new movies in Apocalypse, like barely. Mm-hmm. And once again, she's kind of like five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like this movie, it does not bother me. But when we rewatch X two and three, I'll be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But in this this movie, I think there's just you got to do so much exposition. You got to set up everything. Yeah, and it, and the strength of the movie is again, I think it's so laser focused on you know two or three characters. True, but yeah. that is really interesting. On now that you mentioned the casting note, because like why There's like n- cast her if you're not gonna give her a big role? I, I like, would I would bet she was the highest paid of all the team members. Yeah, I know what it is. You guys are overlooking when she kills Toad. Which is, which is a seminal moment Stop. in all of uh, film history. Oh, God. I can't even remember how it happens. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what do you think? Yeah, she is. Right. Well, anyway. Um, okay. Yeah. So. And then are we going to talk about, are we going to get into this Jean Grey Wolverine thing at we all? We can. Let's do it. Is that morality? I oh, are we still, no, yeah, we're, we're out of it we're now. Out. We're just talking I'm now. Just I'm fine with that. That could be morality. I mean, it's, it's in, I mean, infidelity. Okay. Almost. I hate, I hate, like, Okay, so I'm a big Scott Summers fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that character. And I just, like, hate how shafted he gets in this whole trilogy. He loves her so much. And then it's just like, but Logan. And I just, I hate it. Like, I hate it so much. Yeah, but much. Wolverine's cool. Stop. <laughs> it's basically high school. It's, it's the ultimate high school it. Especially metaphor. in, like, The Last Stand. It's infuriating. Yeah. It's so infuriating. Wait, did you miss the most important line in the movie? What? When Wolverine tells Cyclops... You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Um, Wolverine's not a dick. Okay. But, but... In, I will say, as tight as the script for this is, that all played out in a way that was like, hi, I'm hi, I'm Wolverine. I'm Jean Grey. And we are kind of in love right yeah, now. Yeah. That's true. Also, they, like, they, when they... when he's like, and where's where's your bed? And she's like, down the hall with Scott. And I'm like, what? Easy, everybody. Like, uh, you literally just <laughs> took an IV out of my arm, and that's all the experience we've had together. But, but we're jumping to here. I do have to say that it's in these superhero movies, and maybe it's just not appropriate, but to just have a relationship that's based on we're physically attracted to each other. I mean, that like that hap- that happens in real life. Yeah, but like, like it does when you're when you're taking. Sorry, when you're taking the time. To have Scott and Jean be in a yeah, committed relationship right. yes. and take the time to have them be in a relationship, it makes why look, fall back she looks on bad. that? She looks bad, yeah. She looks yeah. like somebody that would destroy an entire universe. But are you looking at it through the lens of are the <laughs> context of the following it. movies? No, I got it. I was... <laughs> yeah. It... I don't no, even no, remember. I think, I think okay. even isolated in this, okay. it's like he literally like wakes up and, and she's like already like, which to again says 
you're a hot man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forget about this nice guy, Scott Summers, who we barely have developed my relationship with right. either. Right. And let's start moving forward with this. But, like, that's Fair the enough. thing is that, like, Scott and Gene is so viable because you have their history. And you're like, okay, they've been, like, dating. But then they just throw it all away with, yeah, with it the Wolverine so thing. Fast. So and fast. And I think that's, like, my biggest complaint with, like, all superhero movies, which I've talked about before, is just, like, the romances are just so, like, Ex- stepped on. Because they try to make you care about them, but then they, like, throw them away. Except? Except. Wonder Woman? Because I was thinking about Wonder Woman. Oh, Deadpool. Deadpool's great, too. Deadpool's like... I was but Wonder Woman name. is also... Deadpool's just a romance. Yeah, okay. Sure. Wonder Woman also has a great yes, romance. Yes, yeah, I like that. That one. they yeah. don't just yep. throw away. Probably because um, they had a woman on set. Pro- honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, though. It's, honestly. it's a fair point. I'm just saying. Um, okay. How are we going to rank it? Okay, so here we go. This is scary. Oh, we have a third person, too. That means we can't tie, which is good. Okay, so here I'm going to list off our current ranking. Okay. So, number one, Superman the movie. Number two, Iron Man. Number three, Wonder Woman. Number four, Batman 89. Number five, Thor Ragnarok. Six, Justice League. And seven, Fantastic Four. Um, the 2015 one. Yeah. So what we normally do is we like... <laughs> do you guys, it's just like... Is there like a garbage pail with all the movies and you're just random? That is a... Yeah, we're trying to like jump around. I like is that. that. Pretty it's good? cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. great. Like I, that was not at all. <laughs> I got to like reset my brain on that well, list. We, we don't want to do all the like great recent ones. No, I love first, that. So. I think it's cool. It's just like crazy. So we normally... <laughs> what we normally do is like throw off like bottom ones until we get up to okay. where there's a conflict. So Fantastic Four, Scratch, Justice League, Scratch, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, Scratch, mm-hmm. Batman 89... Scratch. Above? Mm-hmm. Okay, above. Yeah. Wonder Woman, Iron Man, and Superman are, are the top three. Right. Hmm. I like it more than Wonder Woman. I like I it more I than Wonder too. Woman. Yeah. So now we've got Iron Man and Superman. Now it gets tough. So we can <laughs> we can go through the criteria, but sometimes that kind of fails. Hmm. So, I think we should. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, Without... but oftentimes, or at least once, it's helped us, like, it has split helped the us, difference. Like, okay. So the struggle is, like, Iron Man, Superman, X-Men right now. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay, so let's let's compare with Iron Man. Um, okay. Hero villain arc is better, I think. I don't know. Probably, it's got a better villain, but Iron Man is such a character study. It is. It is. You get a really strong sense of Tony Stark in that movie. You do. And you get a strong sense of Logan in this movie, but it's also an ensemble piece. Right, so. which balances the ensemble pretty well, other than mm. <laughs> and that all like there's eight or nine different hero villains sort of yeah. Arcs there's going on here several that threads all, that are all really good. There's almost none that don't work. That's right, true. that's true. But can you hold against Iron Man the fact that it's an origin movie for one character versus an ensemble? Yeah, that's it's tough. I gotta get okay on this particular point. I have to give it to Iron Man because there. are just plot contrivances in X-Men that I can't look past. Okay. Like That's fair. Magneto's machine. Yeah. Or like... Or the way that everyone meets up. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, it's a big or, world, but yeah. we're all right here. If, yeah. here's, this is the biggest plot hole in the movie. If Mystique can sneak in to the... To the mansion. Anytime, why, why now? Why didn't you do that a month ago? 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago. You know, <laughs> like, why? Yeah. She can only turn into... Iceman, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, she had to wait know. for him to be born. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, yeah, it's just on, on a character level, writing level, I have to give the edge to Iron Man there. I think I give it to X-Men. But Why? Because, because of, I think it's incredible that you not only have the Magneto 
villain thread, but you also have the the people and like the Senator Kelly line because I think you've got the like fantastical element of Magneto as a villain, but then you've got the real world grounding and it justifies his villainy, mm-hmm. which is just crazy good. Mm-hmm. And then you've got how each of the heroes relate back to that. I, I think it's pretty, hmm. pretty well incredible. Okay. It's not a fair argument, but if you <clears throat> stripped away a lot of the subplots of X-Men and sort of imagine out what that looks like spending the amount of time that they got to spend with Tony Stark in Iron Man, my gut says as as well treated as everything in there was that it would top it in that case. Again, a ridiculous argument to that, but <laughs> but the fact that they could do it across eight and nine things as well as they did right. might be harder. Yeah, that's true. Let's well they're they're even on that point for me, I think. Okay. But let uh spectacle I think Iron Man. Iron Man, wins, Iron Man, for Iron sure. Man wins. Yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. But when you get to morality, morality I think X Men definitely wins. Mm-hmm. It does, because Iron Man kinda stumbled on morality. Because mm-hmm. it was sort of It like, has some great points, but it, it, does. it mm-hmm. kind of weaves its way getting there. It doesn't answer the question that it poses. Right. Which is like what with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. What do I do with this stuff? And the movie just sort of dodges but, that. But does X-Men answer it? Oh, absolutely. I think. You do? Yeah. You, Wolverine's arc, I would say, yeah. Okay. does that. Okay. Yeah. Don't turn people into mutants. This didn't help us at all. Because well, we tied on the first fight and then like <laughs> easily picked one or the other on the other two. Iron Man's at a disadvantage, too, because they they didn't want to solve that then in a lot of ways, don't you think? True, because... It's a springboard for like a character true. they know they're going to be using for 10 years. And they have to make him last. And that's one of my biggest complaints with Iron Man still existing in the MCU is I feel like he's like finished his character journey like five times over now. That's why they need to go to the famous Iron Man demon in a bottle and... and <laughs> Make him. Have you ever heard of yeah, that story? Yeah, Raising it, alcohol. Right. it is riveting. It's great. It would yeah. be one great. of the best of all time. Yeah. And I, you could see it working there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Robert Downey Jr. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I think I, I have to give the edge to X Men. Just because I think it's a better movie. I think the artistry, as a, as filmmaking terms, is mm-hmm. way up there. Really. Yeah, I struggle because I'm so biased with Iron Man because I know that Iron Man is where, like, they came up with the idea for the MCU and they really started it and it was the first of... But X-Men was the first, too, even more so than Iron Man because X-Men is the reason we have the MCU. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to... X-Men just has some... There are some parts, just as a movie, there are some goofy, weird parts that don't work. And I don't think there's a scene in Iron Man that doesn't work. Hmm. Like, uh... Uh, what am I thinking of? Well, we talked about the plot contrivances. Right. We got the you got the romantic relationship, which is kind of like why. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's one scene that I just hate when, and they kind of do it, they kind of do a thing with it, but when Logan is screaming in bed and Rogue comes in, mm-hmm. why? Why is she running there? It's it's a real contrived thing, mm-hmm. and they yeah. they do it as an impetus for her to run away. But then like Mystique, it's just this really shallow thing where Mystique's like. Oh, Professor X is mad at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that's that's some weak screenwriting, I think. But with Iron Man, I really don't think there's a weak scene in the whole movie, and the morality questions. Yeah, but it at least poses interesting questions. Yeah, it's it's a toss up for me. I, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think Iron Man achieves this like 
unique and memorable style that so, works so well with with the music and with you know like the rock and roll music and with Tony Stark as a character and we get to know him so well yeah and of course you don't get to know any of the X-Men as well as you get to know Tony Stark because balancing the movie and time but yeah I just think Iron Man like sticks out more in my mind as like a solid cohesive film in so many ways that X-Men doesn't quite reach sure X-Men has a better ending though yes I yeah. love the ending where they're playing chess mm-hmm. by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, but it's so is I Am Iron It's true. <laughs> That's a great, great ending. Because, yeah. And that kind of does solve part of the morality issue because he's trying to he's figure out, like, right, am I going to yeah. be public? Am I going to take right, responsibility? Right. And he does. Yeah. So. Hmm. You haven't said as much as we have. Right? I it's been so it's been a it's while been since I've seen Iron Man, so I'm not Iron as prepped for that. Yeah. But I mean, hearing you guys both talk back through it, it's hard. Like, it's gonna be. I really like the way. I like the way y'all are doing the rankings, having these sort of specific criteria for it, mm-hmm. because some of that is gonna get real sloppy when you get into like, when you get into like the Nolan Batman films and stuff like that. You start getting into this like, well, this is a film and this is a superhero movie and they're not even supposed to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think you guys have a good criteria for that, but I, I don't, I, I I default to you guys on this one. I think (laughs) Iron Man wins then. I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that would put X-Men at number three. I feel good about that. That's a pretty respectable spot for the start of that list. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. in the list um it has been entered in the list that's list. what that sound was <laughs> you'll need some kind of sound effect there something important da, 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 da. um <laughs> all right yeah well that concludes this episode of watchtower i don't know if this is i don't know what order this is releasing in we're trying to for those all those eager listeners out there waiting to hear more from Watchtower, um, we're planning to start uh, like really solidifying what we're doing in the coming weeks so that you guys can start watching the films that we're going to watch as we watch them so you're prepared for the next episode, that kind of thing. So I don't know if this will be before or after Black Panther. Whatever. We'll get there. It'll probably come out after. Yeah, it'll probably come out <laughs> after Black Panther. So. Uh, so I don't know what's next. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> should we? Should we pick something? Uh, I want to do Blade. <laughs> Let's do Blade next. Okay. Blade is next. Blade is next. That's official. All right. So uh, everyone, watch Blade. <laughs> this next time. Uh, thanks, Rob. No problem. This is fun. Here. This is awesome. Good. Good. I'll yeah. come back for Logan. I yeah. will definitely come back for yeah. Logan. Yeah, that would be awesome. It took me like eight months to get him to watch it. It, literally the like a driving months. force in getting me I and mean, i don't know why and i feel stupid now because it's so good yeah yeah spoiler. yeah it's great um could you sort of put a bow on on this episode by saying like since you were reading the comics for so long and you saw like the growth the birth of the superhero film sure looking back are on these it, just ways of calling me old no no <laughs> that, that no move? i'm old uh, Reagan calls me old every day. <laughs> me too. Yeah, um, you just have a different perspective than either of us. I'm sort of in the middle between you guys. But like, I don't know. Would you, looking back, would you say this is an important film? In oh, the development yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. In a weird way. Like we all thought when I still remember being in the theater for Burton's Batman and just being like, oh my God, this is like, they, they did this it. could not <laughs> ever have happened. And it did. And then it was like, well, where's the, like, nothing happened. There was no, it just seemed like a, a, like, 
within years we would just have a just run of amazing superhero films that you didn't and this was the one where it was like oh these can be done in a way that adults and kids are going to like it the same and it's going to tell the story it felt more like the comics to me mm-hmm. than anything that that had come before it and that was always i mean that probably came across today that's important like mm-hmm. those comics are famous and and beloved for a reason and getting yeah. away from the reason that people love them is the worst thing that these movies can do and for years some of them still decided to make that choice and this <laughs> this outside of the costumes i think this is a, an extremely faithful version of the comic book cool that's awesome yeah that makes me excited for future superhero films because i don't know i always fall i fall into these ruts lately because you know we're getting four five six a year Mm -hmm. and i fall into these ruts where i'm like watching and i'm like have i fallen out of love with the superhero movie and then there's always like one that like comes along like recently it was wonder woman where i was just Mm -hmm. like it like i was like we can keep stepping this up there's more to be seen there's more to be told and so i think that's i think it's gonna be like the western I think yeah. it's going to die. Oh, of course. Everything, all genres do. Yeah, it's going to die, and then it'll have a, a revival. Like, there will be a Sergio Leone of superhero films, mm-hmm. and it's going to be great. I can't wait for 30 years or whatever. Can I ask, this is going backwards, can I ask one last question yeah. before we go? I have yeah. to ask this. What the heck can can they do? Is Hugh Jackman replaceable, or can, does Wolverine no. just have to just go away? let go of Wolverine. Like, how long does Wolverine have to go away before mm. you can come? Like, has he, years and years. Has and he years. put a mark on that character that is so deeply imprinted yes. that nobody... I mean, yeah, look at, look at, like, Han Solo. Like, yeah. the, yo- yeah, like the young version of Han Solo has been gone for, like, 40-whatever years, mm-hmm. and I still don't think you can, like, <laughs> have someone else play that character. And, like, Logan... You've got 2000 was X-Men and 2017 was Logan. That's 17 mm-hmm. years. It's like something like eight or nine films or ten films. Mm-hmm. I really don't think you should ever, ever replace replace him. You'd have to wait at least a whole generation to do it. Well, mm-hmm. and two, like I think Marvel has reached the point where they're ready to start exploring smaller smaller characters that like you don't think of when you think of like the X-Men, but that have amazing stories and they can get people to go see those stories. What do they do when they run their course on this? What do they do when the Tony Stark, when the Robert Downey Tony Stark goes away? Do they keep moving forward, or is there eventually, mm-hmm. do you think, is eventually you have to get back to Spider-Man and Iron Man and all these people? Yeah. Like, do you, Is there going to be just a complete wipe and start over? Or are they going to have young Tony? They'll like probably do with the comics. Iron though. Man Jr. Well, but the, but people don't grow up in comics. That's true. Yeah, Robert Downey I Jr. Think... will die someday. I not think... that he'll what? die, but he'll be <laughs> old and he will not be Iron yeah. Man and you can't tell certain stories that way. And... They could do a... Now, Marvel doesn't really do these, but they could do like a, a Crisis on Infinite Earths type thing. Yeah, but do you want that? I wouldn't care. I think <laughs> audiences are ready for plot lines and characters that are not the big six. Not totally. and And I think... Marvel is comfortable going that direction, and so I think we're gonna be okay. Like I think they're gonna be okay. Oh, totally. But because, there's gonna be a wraparound at some point yeah, that has and, to be. Yeah, and I think what you do is, you know, you you have characters that hang around that are the memorable, mm-hmm. popular ones. Like obviously, like they picked Spider Man. They're like Spider Man has to be here, has to right. always be here. They've shown that, um, but we can let go of some of these characters and introduce new ones. And so I think it's really exciting to like have that old nostalgia lead you yeah. into a new era, you yeah. know, so. Cool. Anyway, I think that's it, that's it for this episode of Watchtower. 
We never know what to say at the end. I do. You do. Go ahead, Seth. Enough said. (laughs) Good. Good. Right? Yeah. Rob gets it. Yeah. I I heard you went with Excelsior here. Yeah, I switch it up. You you got to give it like a Stanley, like, Excelsior. No, I can't do that. You do it. I just did it. Okay. (laughs) Bye.